joined, as ever, by my friend slash evil twin, uh, MK. You could sound more enthusiastic about that. I really couldn't. And this week, however, we have a special guest, the specialist of special guests, Cherry Vina. Hi. Hi. How did, how did we kidnap you and get you onto this podcast? I thought you had other things to do with your time. Yeah, I have no idea. I guess, um, you know, if you're going to be talking about porn, I definitely want to be here for that. So. Well, <laughs> I, was te- I was telling her uh, um, as we were prepping to record that when we decided to do a smut episode, I messaged MK and I was like, well, we should do a smut episode and we should get a special guest and we should pull Twitter, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have to ask you guys to get on. <laughs> I am honored. I am very honored to have been selected then. <laughs> you, you have by around... I never mind that joke was too gross to start this off with. <laughs> Sorry. Already. Oh, I can't help it. You're a terrible person. I know. Um, but before we get to the porn, we actually wanted to cover some reader questions, listener questions. I like I'm not finding a single medium no. to describe these questions as accurate. But like some questions that we've gotten in the past couple of weeks that we've like completely neglected to answer. So let's Let's hit it. MK, do you have this? I have all the questions. Every question. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Okay, so the first one is from Deadpan Snarking, and uh, she wants to know about if we have any K and J drama wrecks, because she really wants to avoid the sexist tropes as much as possible, but they're so prevalent. And yeah. she can't watch another, quote, gruff yet romantic dude bro <laughs> verbally slash physically abusing the female lead, such as in... Oh. Uh, Boys Before Flowers. I'm having, like, a serious hardcore flashback to My Name is Kim Sung-soon. Do not watch that, by the way, if you do not like the dude bro and the grabbing. Like, the dude bro and the grabbing are two things that are in K-drama that are very difficult to avoid. But if you don't mind sobbing, I'm going to recommend 49 Days, which is magical realism and really good. But if you don't want to sob, um, but you also are into a little bit of, like, celeb whoring, there's a fairly recent one called Best Love, which is basically about two movie stars who sort of, like, fail upwardly into love, one of whom has completely lost her star shine, I guess, and the other one who's at, like, the peak of his career and all the various k-drama you shenanigans that go into their love those are the two k-drama sides do you have any j-drama ones that aren't maddening mk i would definitely definitely as always recommend kimi wapeto which we've talked about last week or the week before i'm talking about it every week like mcis <laughs> yeah like basically if you have not yet watched kimi wapeto i don't care if you don't like japanese <laughs> stuff just go watch it um and the other one is Goku-sen, which is like a fandom close to my heart i love it so much and it's about this girl who when she's like five her parents are killed in a car crash and her dad was a math teacher and her mom was like a an accountant or something. Um, and it turns out that she only has one blood relative left and she's never met him before, and it's her grandfather. And the reason she's never met him is because he is the head of the Japanese mafia, and her mom <laughs> ran away from the family business. And so they raise her as, like, the greatest little Yakuza kid ever. She, like, learns how to fight. and But they, they tell her, you know, you can do whatever you want when you grow up. It doesn't matter if you want to take over the family business. Like, whatever you want to do, we will fully support you. And we will like cry beautiful tears as you run into the sunset. There's so many people listening <laughs> to this podcast right now who are like tearing up because like Japanese anime Yakuza characters are more supportive of their life choices <laughs> than their own. <laughs> it's true. 
But the great thing is, she decides that she wants to be a math teacher, just like her dad. She just wants to teach people math. <laughs> Except that she's the heir to the Yakuza. So the only school where she can get a job is, like, the most thug school in Japan. And it's because the principal is like, yeah, you're Yakuza, that's awesome. Whip these kids into shape, keep them in line. And uh, one of her students falls in love with her, and she just wants to, like, imbue them with a love for math. And it's amazing. That sounds absolutely amazing. It, it is. is amazing. The other thing, dear listeners, I don't know if you've noticed this trend yet, but <laughs> seems to have a thing for older ladies exploiting nubile young men. Would you like to discuss that, MK? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what are you going to say? What are you going to say that's not going to get us put on any more Interpol watch list? In real life, I am completely against that unless, you know, both of them are adults and everything is cool. In manga, that shit is amazing. Oh my god, you could like beep your backing up so <laughs> Moving on, next question. Next question. Painted Maple. Oh, yeah, you're not gonna like this one. She wants to know if I have strong feelings about coffee prints and if those feelings would be negative. Keep this very short. I don't like coffee prints. I tried to watch it. I thought it would be like Korean Hanakimi, and I hated every minute of it. The end. That's cool. I love it enough to make up for both of us. Next one up on the ramp. Uh, Till Midnight wants to know what sentinels are. Kill me. So a sentinel is... Uh, sentinels are terrible. Sentinels are the greatest. You should read all the sentinel AUs till midnight. Like, Don't do it! You should absolutely do it. So what happens is, back in the day when we lived in the jungle or whatever... <laughs> One person in every tribe would develop advanced, very heightened senses that would help them guard the village. But they could zone out on their senses, like they could get stuck in just like watching a water drop fall because it was so beautiful when they like zoomed in on it or whatever. So they had to be partnered with someone who was their guide, and the guide would be able to like bring them out of it. And this is like a terrible 90s fantasy cop drama that spawned all the fan fiction. Like, all the fan fiction. Because canonically in the show, they live together. They're super homoerotic and they like can they have only spirit animals together, don't they? Like they have spirit animals on the astral plane that are like drawn to each other. Yeah, there's like two it's like a double two parter episode in which it's like mostly spirit animals and the sentinel spirit animals like a jaguar. <laughs> this is sort of in case you guys are curious, this is sort of where spirit wolf comes from. <laughs> It kind of is. But the point is, like, the Sentinel is always super possessive of his guide. They're usually in love. They, like, fight crime together. And even though the Sentinel is, like, on top, he is also dependent on his guide. In conclusion, guide. fandom, um, you guys should write tons and tons of semi-erotic furry nodding <laughs> in the Sentinel universe for no. MK. No. Yeah, just do it. Just inundate her with stuff. You know, like, you. you don't have to really write it. Just, like, find a jit and, like, paste <laughs> the sentinel's head onto it and make sure it's like terrible if you do that i'm gonna pull the nuclear option and i'm gonna like tag that on pinboard as uh you realize that you can't like we cannot discuss the same reason we can't we call it the nuclear option domestic super married kid fic plus corgis you can't like say we can't do it like the nuclear option is called the nuclear option for a reason and that is there would be so much collateral damage okay <laughs> that is why you should not send me the things that prue tells you to send me just 
It'll be bad for everyone. Moving on. Okay, the next one is from my field notes. And it's actually a recording question, which I thought I was like a little surprised by. I didn't think anyone would be interested in that. But um, <laughs> Glitz, you talked about using GarageBand and Scrubbers. The editing is always great. What's the process of getting a podcast done? You guys record on mics on Skype, right? I like how both of you are equally loud in volume. It always amazes me that you're on different continents. Too often you can't hear the person on the other end at all in dual chats. Is that because of your Scrubbers or the mics? How much good or bad are we losing when you cut things down? Ooh, okay. So to go in order, yes, we use GarageBand, and yes, we are literally just sitting here on Skype talking into our MacBooks. Yeah, uh, we don't actually have separate uh, microphones. Pinar, you want a separate microphone? Nope, I'm on my MacBook. Yeah, we're all yeah. just on <laughs> MacBooks just have really good microphones, I guess. Yeah. We basically look like the inside of a Starbucks right now, spread across <laughs> most of North America and England. Yeah, and I did spend like 48 hours setting up the perfect filters for this which involved a lot of, like, noise reduction and, like, balancing out lady voices and shit like that. It's not very interesting. I don't even remember what I did, but I saved it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you want to talk about how much good or bad they lose? I think this is a hard one to call. Like, on the one hand, there's a lot of stuff that we cut out that's probably, you know, actionable. <laughs> on the other hand... I mean, I I guess we do remove stuff for length when we've had one of those rambling podcasts that goes over the two-hour mark, and we've, like, declared this has to end, like, four separate times, and it finally does. I think that, like, overall, even though you're losing some cheap laughs and some potentially inflammatory comments, it's for the better that we edit heavily. Yeah. You guys... With a, with a crude hand. You get all of the good stuff, like, the really good stuff, and then you lose kind of, like... The okay stuff and the terrible, terrible, even we are like, that was not funny or cool. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, if anything's, like, so out there and bizarre, we usually save it as, like, a bonus thing. Although, although we did keep your cat punching you in the vagina last week. <laughs> that was too good to <laughs> Yeah. There's also often, like, a stretch of 45 minutes in the middle in which we take a break and, like, all get a snack. <laughs> like talk about shit while we're eating so there was also some classy action the last time the hoyden was here where like i was doing laundry yeah i'm about to pause so, oh my god then my laundry like so my washer is like in this awkward place in my kitchen because i live in england and it's and so loud I, yeah whenever it goes on to the spin cycle it starts sounding like there's a gangbang going on like <laughs> room away and everyone in there is having more fun than me is the what it sounds like so we we lost about 20 minutes of that the so. first time I stayed with you in London and I realized like a week in that I had run out of clothes and we had to wash all my clothes in the middle of the night <laughs> and you were like it's fine we'll just like turn the machine on and then go to bed and we went to bed like in separate rooms and then I realized that I had put all my clothes in the machine so I didn't have a shirt so I was just like topless in Prue's living room and then the machine started making the loudest noises ever and I was like oh god she's never gonna want to talk to me again this is horrible. No, see, the, the other part, you know, the other part of the story <laughs> is that in the middle of the night, I get up because I hear somebody fumbling in the living room. And I'm the type of person who has, like, special guest towel things. So, like, I get up, obviously, as a conscientious host. And I, like, run into MK, and I'm like, are you okay? And she's, like, top of Yeah, she's yeah. Like, oh, I'm fine. And then, like, my eyes focus, and I was like, are you naked? And she's like... Oh, like, alrighty, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> and she just turned around and went back to bed. Well, like, you were holding your boobs. I didn't really see anything else I could do. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, 
put an arm across you. It'll be fine. Yeah. If we were in fanfic, I would have taken you on the floor right there. <laughs> oh, God. That was a narrow space to have sex in. <laughs> Challenge <laughs> Suffice to say, if you guys have ever thought that we were, like, successful as adults, <laughs> I hope we have just disabused you of that notion. So the last question is from Two Ears and a Heart, who says, Mystery of the day. Why so many erectile dysfunction Kirk fix? Please explain. As okay, me- this is... Okay, I have to interrupt here. Yeah. Because when I read that question, I thought she meant eating disorder. Oh, God, maybe she does. It says ED, but when I Wait, say ED, ED... Yeah. Bina, you be the tiebreaker. Does ED mean erectile dysfunction or eating disorder? I, I would have guessed eating disorder. Ooh. Because, okay, to be honest, the first thing I thought of was Prue and I once came up with a horrible summary for a Star Trek fic (laughs) in which Kirk runs a uh, fertility clinic but can't get pregnant himself and is always, like, poking holes in condoms when he has sex with strangers. He just wants a baby so badly. He just really wants it. I don't even understand how the story, this, like, whole thing started, but then it got really out of control. New York, three in the morning, like delivery of donuts and pasta. So many terrible things happen in New York at three in the morning. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to answer this as if it's like an ED, eating nice. disorder question. Oh. Um, I don't know why it happens a lot. I think that maybe it's mostly, it's okay. I've read a couple where the eating disorder thing has come up and mostly it's Spock with the eating disorder. And I think maybe the whole thing is that he's like othered because of his othered position in his own society and othered position within the context of the Enterprise and now he's othered because he's, you know, an endangered species, so Wait, did I don't you know where ever, this is going. Did you ever watch the original series at all? I watched one episode. It was a muck time. I hated every second of it. And okay. I was on a cruise ship on my way to Canada. Right. So and here's, I was seasick. Here's the thing you need to know. In the yeah. original series, for like the first season and whatever, Kirk looks pretty good, you know? Like, that's like William Shatner at his best when he was working out. And then he was like, I've got a paid gig and it just keeps going. So he stopped working out and kind of got fat. And they had to hide it with, like, different kinds of command shirts. Like, weird 70s (laughs) alternate command shirts. And he just kept getting fatter, like... As they went into the movies, he got, like, really fat. Wait, so is your answer to this question because Kirk got fat? Like, basically, people are obsessed with that. I'm sorry, but that's where it's coming from. I'm sorry, person who asked this question. You deserved better from us, and we failed you. (laughs) We have to move on. Okay, do you want the the NC-17 question now? Do. All right. So, guys, first of all, before you get to this NC-17 question, Bina, let me ask you a question. Okay. Why? Why did I think right off the bat that the minute we were going to talk smut, the entire internet was going to want you with us? Give us a little bit of your bona fides. Uh, well, I suppose it's because I never shut up about porn. Um, <laughs> I talk about it all the time, very loudly, to anyone who will listen. Favorite thing about you. Favorite, favorite thing about you. Is that right? It's true. Well, I'm honored to hear that. You should be. It's very endearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, I always know that if like Dina is there, I'm not going to be the one with the dirtiest mind, which is like such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful moment of liberty for me. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that I can comfort you that way. You can. It's, it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Alrighty. In that, now, now that we've gotten that over with. All right. What is this question? Okay. Lay it on us. Uh, Miss Maverick. Well, one, she called this the smut which is awesome. <laughs> 
But two, she would like us to uh, actually, I guess, explain or talk about the rating systems like Lemon Lime, PGR, NC-17, TM, etc. Oh, okay. Tina, do you want to get us kicked off? Like, what would you consider R versus NC-17? Do you have a special rating system in your head? That sort of thing? I mean, I guess I draw the line sort of in terms of, you know, the sex and how explicit it gets. Yeah. And um, I don't have, like, a set anything set in stone as to what would differentiate between the two. Um, but I mean, most of the stuff that I personally write is always NC 17. And I kind of see that more as where, you know, you're getting a play by play of who's putting what into where and <laughs> it's sort of at that point. <laughs> and when bodily fluids are described in detail, I kind of feel like at that point you're in NC 17 territory. Yeah, no, agreed. I feel like in, in a strange way and lemon lime is really old school um and from anime but i i almost feel like at this point like ratings are maybe i'm just being too myopic in this but i almost don't think that ratings matter that much anymore Mm, i disagree i actually uh i play a lot of video games obviously and uh i actually prefer the video game rating system where it's like e is for everyone t is for teen m is for mature okay it's really simple like e if you are under 17 or whatever the legal age in your country is read E, unless you decide to read porn when you're like 10, like some of us. Like, if we take the realistic view, okay, so maybe I should put it this way. In a real world scenario, do ratings actually matter? Because when I was like 11 and reading fanfic, the R rating or the NC-17 rating was not really an, a mitigating factor in my clicking on that link. Right. It didn't mitigate it for me either, but it was helpful to know what would be safe to read in different situations before I got into it. Uh. Because sometimes you can't tell based on the title, and let's say that you are reading fanfiction on your Kindle at work. Do you really want to open the, like, plot, what plot, intense, orgy, like, all rimming, all double penetration, all the time story that is 4,000 hundred words of just hardcore sex? You're saying this like I haven't done that before. (laughs) Of course! Of course you've done it, but... Let's say that you know that your boss is going to come over in 10 minutes. You're also saying, like, I haven't done that. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're a good example. No, I'm like a terrible example. I work in education. Well, I think when it comes to fic, I guess I don't really see that. I wouldn't consider that only because the text to me is not, like, something that's going to jump off your screen. Exactly. If someone were to, I mean, you're talking about art. I think there's a big difference there because if you're anywhere where people can see when you click on something that's, says, you know, not safe for work, that's more important for that reason than thick would be, at least from my perspective. No, yeah, agreed. That's valid. I just no, I actually also think that for me too, the rating sometimes can serve as an enticement as well. Oh, true. I, I have seen people rate stuff that's NC, rate stuff NC-17 and then read it and then like, I don't really, you know, yeah. that, that was, that was, that was quitter sex. Yes, yeah. I think I like having ratings for this other reason, which is if someone writes, you know, in the warning section, this is NC-17, if they, like, just combine ratings and warnings, then they are less likely to write something in the warning section that is like, oh my god, this contains boy-on-boy sexing. If you write boy-on-boy sexing or, like, slashy sex, I'm not clicking on that ever. Oh, don't be mean. Come on, some people are new at this. Not, I'll still click on it, Ben. Not ever. MK won't, but I'll do it, and then I'll pinboard it. Oh, it pains me. I know, I know, baby. But you gotta give people a chance. Yeah, and after the first time, don't do that ever again. <laughs> oh my god, so mean. <laughs> Keeping it in. So mean. So fucking mean. All right, let's move. <laughs> let's, moving away from this, 
I think that one of the one of the sort of like holdovers from last week's conversation, which was like a surprise to me that this became like a thing that people were curious about, was um just to read you in on the situation, Vina. The Hoyden and I ended up having like a brief conversation, or all of us ended up having a conversation about whether or not porn should be in stories, whether or not people should try to write porn. And this all kind of fed out of a discussion of how did you get started writing porn and how do you get good at writing porn and what is the hardest part of writing porn so i'm gonna pose the how did you get started and how do you get good at writing porn questions at you first well the way i mean i kind of jumped into it i guess all the way the very yeah first, you did yeah all the way <laughs> Uh, the first fic that I ever posted was um, Explicit Rimming, and that was the first thing that I'd ever shared with anyone. Um, Champions. Yeah, this is not really surprising, I don't think. So for me, I guess the way I found fandom in the first place was looking for porn and finding a place where I could talk about it and share that and not feel like it was weird, that you know there were other people that were willing to talk about it with me. And so for me, it was sort of like it started as all about the porn and then sort of grew into the rest of of what fandom is all about. So I kind of just jumped right into it and wrote it for the first time. And I mean, if I look back at that now, it's just it's absolutely horrendous. (laughs) So I think getting good at it, honestly, I think the best thing is to read a lot of porn. And, you know, that's sort of beneficial in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) Is it now? But it is because I think the more that you read and the more that you can recognize what it is about particular scenes or, you know, PWPs that, you know, resonate with you. What is it phrases? Is it emotions? Like what parts of that grab you and, you know, work for you? And then the more that you read, I think the more that that sort of helps you in writing. I definitely agree with you on the how to get better at it. I think the intriguing thing about what you just said is why you got into it. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, porn is so good in fandom. Like, obviously obviously we talk about like bad sex that we read in stories it's like terrible and like a boner killer but overall i think the fandom has like a wonderful trove incredibly dirty minds we're incredibly good at executing on those dirty thoughts and i I feel like that's that's part of what keeps us all in. Like guys have access. I you know, I could go on a rant about this for months, but like men have access to like tons and tons <laughs> of pornography that caters to their specific wants, needs, and feelings. And as far as I can tell from like the, the erotica section in the bookstore, like all of it's going to be slightly depressing or uh, obscurely written, and all of it's going to be in like shitty anthologies where someone's going to like give me the side eye when I take it up to the counter. Whereas like if I go to fandom, like I can get some of the most amazingly free high impact smut written by girls who obviously know what other ladies want and i I feel like that has to be some of the appeal of fandom and banish smut no i mean i agree with that completely and actually it's funny that you say that because when i was first discovering all this and sort of you know this confused teenager having all these thoughts like why am i thinking about porn all the time i'm sort of aging myself with this but the internet was very different then and fandom the way it exists then versus the way it exists now is very different and it wasn't quite as accessible the community wasn't there as much the way it is now Mm -hmm. and I can remember taking my babysitting money to the bookstore and going to the erotic you know finding these anthologies of gay erotica (laughs) to the counter and putting them face down on the counter and saying please don't let the cashier turn it over just let them scan it and put it in the bag and get out of here (laughs) <laughs> At that time, that was the only, I mean, as bad as that was, that was so much better than any of the stuff that I was finding online yeah. that wasn't fandom. Yeah. And then to have that discovery of that, that fandom was this place with 
all these other people that the, it wasn't this weird thing that I was this, you know, had all these thoughts and wanted to read these stories and wanted to, because like you said, the difference between the, you know, what the perception of is with pornography in men versus women and to sort of have that, find that community. It was very like, comforting to me to sort of say, Hey, there's a whole community of other women, mostly other women that I can talk about this with and that feel the same way I do that will talk back to me. And as you said, yes, produce this awesome porn, but also just have that sense of, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a weird thing. This isn't me being some kind of bizarre, you know, freak who just wants to think about sex all the time. No, absolutely. And I'm going to age myself too, because I had that exact same experience. Only I will like see your tragic bookstore story and like <laughs> up your ante with this. So I went to the library because like I was like not going to have my mother drive me to the mall and then purchase like porn because she would want to know what books I had purchased and I would like rather commit sepapu than have to have a discussion with her, right? Like as far as my mother is concerned, like I've still never had a period and I've never seen a boy in the wild, which is fine, which is fine. That's good. That's just the way we want that to be in our relationship. So I went to the library and I ended up like looking for, you know, like those shitty old like blue DOS screen library systems. And I like, I was just like doing a search for like sex and then missing around like, <laughs> librarians. Which is how I ended up reading the story of O. Like when I was fifteen. <laughs> Which is like, guys, that's not a that's not a book you should read when you're fifteen. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when I was like nine, uh, I was at the cottage and a neighbor up the street who I'd never met before was having a garage sale. And she had a bunch of books on her table. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some books. And I read the back of one, which had a weird cover, but was about, like, a girl genius and how she could not get a job because she was too smart and people kept firing her, which actually happens to people, by the way. And just to give you background, I was an extremely naive child, so I did not realize what I was getting into. But basically, I had bought, like, almost a plot what plot harlequin novel uh and i brought it home and i was like mom i got this book for 25 cents and she was like oh dear god and my sister was like you cannot let her read that and my mom was like we have to let her read it and then she won't like it and she'll never do it again <laughs> and i read this book over and over for like the next four years um but i want i had to like hide it fine in special places okay like probably it was bad, and I had to hide it, and one year I went away to summer camp, and so I hid it in my room, but my mom decided that while I was at summer camp was the perfect time to surprise me by cleaning my room. Oh, no. And I came back, and it had been, like, carefully placed on top of my bedside table, <laughs> and I was so just mortified and was furious. It, was it placed next to, like, a Bible, some rosary, some holy water? No, because remember, when I was, like, six, I was like, fuck this noise, I'm an atheist. And my parents were like, there's no going back, like, she's a terrible child. <laughs> and uh, we never spoke about it. But, you know, my family has always had, when I was a little kid, like, the rule that is basically the only good literature is old English literature. And you probably just should not bother reading anything else. You should probably read, like, oh, man, what was this? There was, like, another, like, early smut discovery of mine. That was, like, another terrible thing that I shouldn't have been reading at 15, but, like, I was desperate to. Oh, this story is, like, even worse than I remember because I wasn't 15. Nice. Okay, this is great. And, like, if anyone listening to this podcast, like, remembers this, then you went to the same um, elementary school that I did. High five. Um, so what happened was the same, like, I think this was, like, fourth grade was the last year I was at the school before we moved. But one of my classmates 
basically found a book that her father had been hiding on like the very upper shelves of their family <laughs> library, right? Oh, dear. And she brings it to us and it's like this green hardback, like library bound book. You know, those old ones, like with the creepy type and like the school yep. libraries all had them. Um, and it was called My Secret Life. And I looked this up later and it's like the first of like 28 volumes of like shitty Victorian smut, <laughs> which is basically this guy who starts documenting, like who knows if this is real, who starts documenting his trysts, starting with his nanny when he was like 13 <gasps> or 14 years oh old. Gosh. But all of this is written in this awful florid purple Victorian prose, but <laughs> she had read it like with the same like desperate thirst for knowledge that every child in my class, like every child in my North Carolina abstinence only <laughs> elementary school had read it. We'd be like we just wanted to know what was happening, right? Like, <laughs> so she like burned through it and then in the cubbies of our classroom, because we still had cubbies. <laughs> she's like Guys, I read this amazing book. Who wants it next? <laughs> so she passed it to the next person in the class, and then the next person, and then the next person. And then I read it, like, in two nights, because I think we made a rule that you could only keep it for, like, three nights, because the next person needed it. <laughs> so, like, needed I finished it. this book over the course of, like, three nights. My first oh, my first all-nighters, guys, were done to read porn in, like, the <laughs> And I gave it to the next kid who, like, stupidly didn't follow the rules and hide it inside his backpack the way you're supposed to so the teachers wouldn't see. And then our, like, teaching assistant or something, like, saw it, like, it fell off the shelf or something. But anyways, somehow the book was confiscated. There was, like, a class-wide parent-teacher conference. It was bad. <laughs> oh, God. It was bad. It was good stuff. That's but, beautiful. Yeah. If only I'd had fandom. That's right. You could have avoided the porn in cubbies. I know. Oh, these days, that right? so much worse than I remember. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much worse. Yeah, let's move on. You know what? People actually had a lot of comments for us about, people were still arguing about whether or not porn is necessary. What do you think, Dina? Is porn necessary? Well, I have to say, Prue, I was listening to this to last week's, and I was, I was, it hurt me deep in my soul when you said that that stories don't need porn and that all PWPs are gratuitous because I mean, I don't think I agree. I don't think any story needs porn in it, but I also think that you can tell stories with porn and that you can feel yeah, okay before, like before anyone continues, I feel the urge to like clarify a point. And I think it's probably because I chose the word gratuitous. And a lot of people have been taking that in the negative sense. Like I, I think that as, as far as I'm concerned, when I say that something is gratuitous, it just like, all that means is like, it, it doesn't have to be there. Like, it's not, I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing. I like Michael Bay movies and they're super gratuitous. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm gonna, like, I'm barring the David Duchovny point of view, like, before he became like a creepy sex addict point of view of nudity <laughs> in film. Like, it's all gratuitous, but it doesn't mean it's not fun when it's there. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with that too. I, think, I mean, I guess I see there's sort of two different kinds of PWs. Maybe there's, maybe there's more than that, but some are just, like you said, I mean, it can still be good. It's still, sometimes you just want to read something short and filthy and that's it. And you know, whoever it is, your your pairing of choice is there and it's good and nothing else happens except for the sex. But I also think that there are some PWPs where something, even though all, the only action that's happening is the sex, that there's more going on there. Like somehow that moves the relationship forward or there's some kind of emotional, um, you know, revelation that one of the character has during the sex. And I actually really like those kinds of stories. 
And I think that is sort of a different kind of a PWP in that it's not totally gratuitous because there is actually something happening, even though the action is only sex. Sure. And I would agree with that. But I still think that you could tell that same story about the same like emotional progression without sex. Like, I, I, I guess like my point is that like, I can't believe I'm arguing. Like, I love sex, guys. Like, I've written so much porn <laughs> for you bitches. Like, stop <laughs> hating on me about this. Like, <laughs> my point is that like, it doesn't have to be there. Like, that's all I'm saying. I'm not telling people not to write it. Um, I just think that we should... Uh, I don't even know. No, you know what? Ignore me. Like, everyone write porn all the time. <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody should be pressured into it and should be saying, hey, I'm, I want to write this story. Um, you know, I've never written anything before. And if I don't write porn, nobody's going to read my story. I right. mean, I don't think that... I, don't think I would like that. to avoid. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I think that you should write what you want this, you know, you should tell the story the way you want to tell it, because that's always going to be better when you tell it, you know, in the way that's, you know, authentic to you. And if that includes porn, then, hey, by all means, I support that. Exactly. I think that there's that really famous, like, phrase from Little Women, which is, like, patently wrong, which is, like, write what you know. I think that you shouldn't necessarily write what you know, because otherwise, like, fantasy novels would never happen. I think that you should write what you're comfortable faking or like write where you're comfortable with writing. So like whether or not you know it. And like, so if you're not comfortable writing smut, don't write it. Like, I don't think that you should feel like you're losing readership as a result of that. I don't know. I remember this was like a discussion a couple of years ago where whether or not people were more inclined to click on a story if it was NC-17. I know that I personally am not more inclined to click on a story if it's NC-17, but I don't know if that's still like a thing that's out there. I don't care if a story is NC-17 or not, but, okay, so in the last couple weeks, I read two stories, one which had two non-penetrative sex scenes in the body of the story. That's so sexy when you say it like that. <laughs> Attractive. It had, like, blowies and stuff, all right? But there was no anal sex. You call it a blowie? No. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm imitating you. No, I have, like, the worst influence on you. <laughs> I would call it a BJ. At any rate, so, they're, like... A bunch of BJ scenes. In the body of the story, the story is super plotty. And then there's a natural ending. And it's like a beautiful ending. And then the author was like, oh shit, they haven't had butt sex yet. And so tagged on like a 15 page butt sex that like ruins the story. There's so many grammatical elements of what you just said that made it even better. (laughs) But like essentially you could have cut this story 15 pages before the end and it would have been five stars. And instead it was like four stars. Because of this scene. And the other thing is a story that had an amazing premise, well executed, like really interesting. And then the author put in the sex and the sex was so uncomfortable that I like could not wreck it at all. I was like, no, this, I can never look at this story again. I'm not even like bookmarking it privately. Like, no. Really? Yeah. I have, you have to send that to me. No. Come on. <laughs> it's so bad. I want it. I want to know how bad this can get. You would probably really like it. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. High five. High five. Uh, okay, moving I mean, on. I mean, has that ever happened with you, Vina? Or are you just like all porn is good porn? Well, I mean, I like porn. Um, I will admit that. And there are some times where that's what I'm looking for and that's what I want to read. And I specifically go and say, hey, I want to read porn. And at that point, yes, I am more likely to click on something that's rated NC-17. But there are many stories that I love that are, have no porn in them. And so it kind of depends on my mood, I guess. Yeah. But I definitely agree that if if there is going to be porn if if you're talking about a longer story that's not just um a pwp then it it should fit and it should fit because the other thing that i found is sometimes the tone of the porn doesn't fit with the tone of the story yes yeah you know like and so if that 
doesn't work. If all of a sudden, you know, if everything is, you know, they're, you know, that you have this created some sort of mood up until that point, And then there's like this very jarring porn that in and of itself is, is hot, but it sort of doesn't fit into the story. Then yeah, I think that does sort of take something away. So, you know, just sticking porn in there for the sake of porn is not something that I think is really necessary or always a good idea. Another thing that I found, I don't know whether or not you guys have found this, is that when I'm writing smut, it's actually harder to write smut that happens in the middle of a story because then you have to like write the after like smut almost naturally feels like the denouement of a story mm-hmm. and um like i this happened when i was writing drp i realized that they were gonna bone in the middle of it and i was like god damn it like <laughs> i have to like write the after and it was just it was actually strangely difficult i was like well <laughs> your penises have touched but i have to keep going that's when you were like should they make eggs and i was like oh my god yeah they should totally have eggs <sighs> like Egg babies no it was a modern age. Like, how did that, how was that? You were writing two stories at the same time, and I thought you meant the other one. It would have been the worst story ever written. <laughs> in the middle of drastically redefining protocol. <laughs> they have eggs. They made dragon eggs. <laughs> Penis touching. <laughs> that was the only sex they had had at that point. Uh, Merlin was magical. <laughs> I'm sure you could work it in. Unprotected magical. That's yeah. that's what you're gonna argue here. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't have like a magic condom, you don't know what's gonna happen. What the hell would be a? Ma- you know what? Never mind. Don't <laughs> even answer that question. I could have answered that question. Please don't. I, re- I regret ever having posed it. Um, but but Bina could answer it too. Here, like one thing I did want to touch on because I think that you'd be a very good person to ask this question. I think that a lot of people respect for your opinion on this. Um, if you are an author who is struggling with like post like posting or writing porn that first time like how do you sort of get over the huh, portraits of words here but how do you sort of like get over the hump like how do you get over the sort of like oh god is this bad factor i think i guess the best place to do that in most fandoms is that the kink meme you know you can post something anonymously and just sort of get a feel like if you have no experience writing porn and you have no idea because it is different when you're writing it to sort of you know get inside and gauge how this is going to look from the outside and so i think those are always a good place to start because you can post something anonymously and you can try out all kinds of different styles or whatever until you find something that feels right for you. And um, then you can kind of gauge, I guess, reaction or people is no one's commenting on it. You know, maybe that's a bad sign. You need to work (laughs) on something. Yeah, maybe. Um, I also think another thing that uh, I have run into or I've seen people worry about is um, when they're, when they're concerned about whether or not it's good, like, is it going to be something that people like? I, I think that kind of feeds into this whole thing where it's like, when you write pornography, like, you are going to expose a part of yourself that you would not necessarily be sharing with the world under normal circumstances, even as a writer, right? Like, you can't really write convincing porn unless you yourself think what's happening in the story is hot. And necessarily, as a result of that, you're going to be giving pieces of it away, right? Like, if you go and read, like, all of my NC-17 shit, you're going to figure out some stuff about, like, my bedroom, <laughs> which, like, exactly. I would never disclose under normal circumstances. Am I right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I, you would never be disclosing under normal circumstances, and yeah. you have to be okay with that. Yes. Um, you cannot write porn by committee. Like, you, can, you can't, like, re- take a survey of fandom and be like, well, X, Y, and Z is really popular right now, so I'm going to do those three things. Because, like, if you're not into it, it's going to feel really dishwater. And, like, there's nothing worse than dishwater porn. Like, at least really bad smut is funny. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think kind of going back to what you said before about the whole write what you know, obviously in porn you're not always writing what you know. Um, But 
if it's you, if you write what you believe in and write what you feel strongly about, like that is what I think that's when you get the best porn, because I think that there needs to be some kind of emotional connection there. I mean, an emotional, you know, doesn't have to necessarily mean, oh, they're so in love, they're in love forever. It can be any emotion. It can be, you know, uh, um, whatever that particular of the emotion of that scene is. But if you don't believe in it and if you don't feel strongly about that, that's going to show, I think, in terms of how the, the porn comes across. And so if you're trying to write a particular kink or a dynamic or something that you've seen is popular, but you don't yourself feel strongly about that, then that's going to show. Yeah, you're, you like you cannot fake it. Like, this is weirdly having sex, you could probably fake it, but writing sex, you're not going to fake it effectively. The other elements of this, I think, that is interesting to talk about, sort of since you mentioned kinks, I feel like in a strange way, like in a strange way for a group of people as porn oriented as fandom is, there's still like a sort of like a weirdly pervasive shame about certain types of porn. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, I think... It's sort of going back to talking about how discovering fandom was sort of liberating for me. I, I, I get it kind of bothers me when there's kink shaming happening within fandom because yes. I always found it as the place where, hey, this is where I can be. I can open up. Here's where I can talk openly about this. And so to see that sort of kink shaming within that place that I always considered to be not necessarily a safe space, but a place where I could talk openly sort of goes against what I think it's all about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and the thing is, it's not even just kink shaming, right? It's just that, like, I feel like it's, it's like certain types of porn are, like, kind of cloistered off. And I'm not even talking about, like, the controversial stuff, right? Like, underage or, like, anything like that. I'm just talking about, like, certain types of porn are, like, not okay. I remember, this is, like, a really specific example, but, like, drove me fucking up the wall. And it's, like, a couple years ago. But, like, there was a period of time where, like, the whole top-bottom thing became, like, a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. it became, like, a really big argument that, like, it still simmers today, but, like, it's it was one that was, like, in the forefront in everybody's fucking face. And, like, I remember reading really specifically a story where... I think almost as a direct response to this, the author felt compelled to make it like a thing where the two characters in question were having like an argument over who got to bottom because they both loved it so much. And I was like, are you fucking serious? (laughs) Like, does anyone find, like, just like, I, I, I was like ultra not turned on before, but now I'm like desperately not turned on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Like, I don't know how to like de ghetto certain sexual things. Like, I don't think that anyone should feel bad about believing really strongly that there's like a partner who always takes it up the ass. I don't feel. I don't feel like there should be any. Like, why do you care? Just like, don't read it. If it's not your cup of tea, just like, don't drink it. I I agree with that completely. The whole top bottom thing. I have a lot of really strong feelings about that that I could go on and on about for for a long time. But I do. I think that you know it it gets confusing I guess in a way because you have sort of people taking a dynamic that happens in the bedroom and then sort of saying okay well how does that apply to their them outside of the bedroom and as and that that gets that can be really messy when you start doing that and um you know I've seen people say things like in Merlin fandom there were some things saying well hey you know Merlin why are all these fix with Merlin who loves taking it up the ass and you know why why would they do that when he's obviously not a weak character and you know that sort of bothers me because like I don't think that being submissive in bed is the same thing as being weak that's not a you know it doesn't make you weak and you know liking to get fucked doesn't mean that you're weak so to kind of have that you know people making those comments about 
that kind of top bottom dynamic. I think then it gets, and then people's, you know, emotions get really high because they feel strongly about it on one side or the other. And then you get, you know, reactionary porn, like you were saying. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even good reactionary porn. It was really bad reactionary porn. I was going to say, like, whenever it, anyone... was good? What? Sorry, whenever anyone, like, equates being on the bottom with being a weak character, I just want to punch that person in the face. Yeah, exactly. Because in, in a strange way, that's sort of, like, weirdly misogynistic. I was going to say, that. I feel like yeah. you're setting back women's liberation, like... Like, 50 years. Like, more than 50 years. <laughs> yeah, more than... But, like, get over like all it. all the fucking way back. Maybe. Like, I, I don't care what you do in bed. I have feelings about which characters should be doing what, but that's a personal preference. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like... I, the other thing is that I don't feel like anyone should, like, be ashamed or, like, apologize for it. Like, I don't feel bad about the fact that I think that, like, Merlin is slot B. I'm sorry, fandom. Like, I'm never, ever, ever going to write a fucking story where Arthur is bottoming in that relationship. Because, like, it, it it's truly, like, a null formula. Like, it doesn't compute. Like, I could feed it in and it would be like trying to compile Ubuntu to actually run properly. Like, it won't work. <laughs> It'll just crash. Um, it, like the, it doesn't make character sense to me. You probably just offended a lot of Linux nerds. I know. I'm, you know what? You guys all just hug your penguins happily. It's fine, um, guys. I have a Linux netbook. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but it runs on Jolly Cloud, which is, like, so much more functional than Ubuntu has ever dreamed of <laughs> Yeah, that's because I'm not... Never mind. I'm not going to... Let's oh, continue. Like, one day I'm going to tell you about, like, the guy who tried to seduce me by trying to get me to, like use Ubuntu and it kept crashing as he tried no. to No. Which was like the most beautiful evocation of how that relationship wasn't gonna work. Oh, that's so sad. It was bad. Um but yeah, like I, I I don't feel bad about that because that's my personal interpretation of those characters. You know what's great about fandom? There are like forty thousand other people writing that pairing and just like there's tons of other good writers who, like, disagree with me or think that they switch or, like, whatever. Maybe they don't ever touch. You can find that, you know? You can go patronize them. I just don't think that... I don't understand why it's ever an issue, you know? It's not really, like, you don't have options. I agree with that completely. And I think, you know, for me, the days of the shame that came with sneaking those anthologies of erotic fiction, <laughs> you know, those are over. I'm done being ashamed. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it, you know? At this point, this is what I like. I'm very comfortable with those things, and I'm comfortable talking about with the, those things. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to try and pretend that I like things that I don't because I just I've had enough with the feeling ashamed about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, these are your like, you guys are all our pervert friends. You shouldn't be making us feel bad about ourselves. But, you know, is there anything that you particularly wanted to bring up? Because we did tell you to give us your deep thoughts. Um, well, I guess you guys, I noticed last week when I was listening to it, when you were talking about the, you know, the specifics, the mechanics of writing porn, um, in terms of the word choice yes, and that, and I think, you know, there's, there's a lot that, you know, people will ask, how do you write porn? What's the secret? What do you do? And that's a really hard question to answer. But I think with the word choices, you know, that can, that's, can kind of make the difference sometimes. And I don't know, I don't know if I'm going anywhere with this, but just in terms of like what you guys were talking about last week with the actual mechanics of how to write porn. Yeah, I feel like this is something, I don't know, have you ever had this experience? I'm polling the only other like prolific porn author I know actually right now. So this is like a good time to like hash this shit out. One thing that I find that I do a lot and like for weirdly, like whenever I write smut, I have to do this more than my normal prose writing is I have to like finish a section and I have to go back through and like kill all of my run on sentences. 
Because, yeah, because, like, the part of, like, the magic of writing smut that, like, readers can get lost in is that you and I, as we're writing, have to be in it to win it as well. Like, we cannot, like, I spend so much time being like, well, I don't want to break up this sentence, even though it's two paragraphs long. Because yes. if I break this sentence up, it's going to snap the emotional flow or, like, the physical hotness of it. It's, like, got to be a building thing, right? It's, like to get a little TMI, it's like that moment where you're like hovered, like it could be really good or it could start hurting. It's the same <laughs> sort of way. Shut up, MK. It's the same sort of way it is when you're writing, you know, you have to like, you have to know your sweet spot. You have to know like how that's going to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, and- I do. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, look at, you know what you just did? You just touched it wrong. Now you can get out of bed. <laughs> that is a lie. Make me a sandwich. Um, Poof your sandwich. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that I find over and over again is that I write tons and tons of run on sentences because I'm unwilling to snap the mood that's built up. And the other thing is I have a tendency to start sentences with the word and yes, just to kind of like, you're building up to the moment, you're building it up, you're building up all these feelings, you're pulling in different elements. And if you're writing an emotional element to the scene as well, you're pulling that in. Um, and you're so desperate to try and get all of those things in, or you should be, if you're going to do this effectively, that you kind of have to like finish it before you can go through. And then you have to very carefully, very selectively see where you can break the chain and still not be losing the thread of the story. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have the same issue and, you know, kind of related to that. I find that when I write porn, I always, always, always write porn in um, present tense because it feels to me like there's an immediacy about it that doesn't come with past tense and that sort of puts you right there in that moment and you're kind of feeling that flow like you talk about you're building it up you're building it up and the sentences I have the same tendency to write on and on and on and I actually find related to that that when you actually write an orgasm I find that like ironically very anticlimactic yes (laughs) it's the easiest part (laughs) right Exactly. You just want to be like, and then everyone comes, the end. Because it's all that building that that's what that's what makes it. You know, it's not the the orgasms are not what make it when you're when you're reading porn. You know, it's everything that goes up until that moment. And that's sort of when, once I get there, I'm like, well, okay, I'm done. I don't want to write anymore. <laughs> you guys are class some like gratuitous come play at the end, which oh, like, I think yeah. you and I are both big fans of. That's a that's always a bonus. That's like a double extra plus bonus, folks. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right, because I was, like, kind of going through my mental Rolodex of smut that I've written, like, my actual orgasm moments are all, like, completely, like, and I'm tired. Right. Like, and everything faded to black, and then people had some strong feelings and ejaculated. Like, that was never anything particularly, like, about it. Maybe that's the difference between, like, really, like, well-written porn and, like, poorly written porn is that, like, if your focus is on, like, the amazing volcanic spew of your male character, you're probably doing it wrong. Like, the orgasm itself should not be a big deal. Exactly. I don't know. Wait a minute. Would you say that... Okay, because just based on, like, I read a lot of hentai manga. Why would you just close that? You do as well. Why would you just close that? (laughs) Because that's where this is going. Listen, when you read this stuff, it's, like, aimed at men, right? Yes. And, like, half of what happens in Japanese hentai manga is just coming. Like, it's just constant coming and nothing else. So would you say that, like, the coming is the more male side of writing porn and, like, the buildup is the female side? think you necessarily have to look at it that way right like because if you okay so having i'm sure you've never seen any real porn um oh you know yeah i'm sure sure. like pure is the driven snow in this regard 
But I, I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, when dudes, like, are the ones behind the camera and are the ones creating the porn, like, strangely, that porn is frequently just, like, a repetitive penetration shot, like, like done from, like, three uncomfortable angles. Uh-huh. But no one is, clearly no one is having any fun, and you can see all, like, the burn from where they got their cheap Brazilian. Um, but the cheap Brazilian is actually the most insulting part of this to me. But, the, I mean, but that's not, like, I wouldn't enjoy that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not the reason it's hot. Like, you think about, like, the smut scenes that have happened in film that have been really good or, like, why I really like good wife porn, which is, like, oh, my God, still the hottest porn in the world. It's because you get full body contact, right? Like, you get that, you know, like, I look at Alicia and Will and they're, like, fucking against the wall. Like, I'm not super turned on because they're fucking against a wall specifically, although that's really hot and they're mostly dressed and he's clearly, like, going to town on her. Um... But it's hot because they've had, like, 15 years of, like, pent-up sexual tension. And he loves her to pieces. And all he wants to do is, like, eat her out all day long. That's, like, all he wants to do. Yeah. And she's willing to let him do that. And that's, like, why that's really hot for me. So, Lepagus was catching up with the Good Wife episodes. And she was like, are they actually fucking in a bathroom while listening to Fresh Air on NPR? And I was like, yes! Isn't it amazing? It's the best. It's that sort of stuff that builds into it. I just, I don't know, like, the brain, this is like that whole, like, female-male sex dichotomy, right? Like, you can't just, like, I'm not going to enjoy it if you just stick it in. It's the same way it goes with fanfic. Like, I don't know why I read hentai manga occasionally still, but I clearly do, maybe that exercises, like, some of my yin or some of my yang side, whereas, like, most of the fandom porn, like, appeals to my yin, where, like, I want some prep to make this actually enjoyable. Yeah, I think that, like, I have to alternate. Like, occasionally, I just need to read some hentai manga. Whereas, like, if that were fan fiction, I'd be like, this is the worst fic I've ever read. It's it just coming. Be. Yeah, it like, is. dudes in that can jizz, like, a hundred times in a night. You're like, Jesus Christ. No, but see, I... You shouldn't mock that, because I'm not against that. I think that that would... Like, I'm totally okay with that sort of thing. No, but, like, but, I need more than just the... Like, I can't just, like, visually be like, oh, that's jizz that gets me off. Like, I need more than that. I no, that's, that's what I mean, though. Like, when these mangas start, it's like, and now this dude is boning a lady. And there's, like, nothing else. It's just, like, he's penetrating her, and then he jizzes, and then he's penetrating her, and then he jizzes. And, like, <laughs> that's the whole story. Sometimes he grabs her boobs. <laughs> But sometimes that's what I want to read. I don't know. I cannot. I cannot answer these these mysterious questions. But I know what you mean. Like occasionally, you just want something like quick and dirty, like yeah. specifically quick, specifically dirty. I don't know. A different porn for different occasions. Although I have written porn that doesn't feel like porn. I just pictured like a porn shelf based like a uh, greeting card shelf. <laughs> different occasions. <laughs> no, but I've definitely written porn that didn't feel like porn to me. Like, it was explicitly NC-17, but I was, like, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, well, this doesn't really, that's not really that porny. I would actually argue that, like, most of the porn in, like, DRP, like, to me, didn't feel porny. Okay, the one where, I don't know if this is in a sex store or not, so I might be getting confused, but uh, there's, like, a thing where they pretend that they're gonna leave the country for their honeymoon or whatever, and then they oh, stay. Not, it wasn't so much that they pretended, they just, like, failed to get out of They, like, failed, right? But they just, like. sex extra. That was very hot. Was it? Okay, because I was, like, that <laughs> was, know? like. Porn. That was definitely, no, the sextras are called sextras for a reason. Okay, in my head that actually takes place in the story. That's close enough. Close enough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are different degrees of porn, right? Like, there's totally porn that you're like, I just want to, like, read something completely filthy and hot. Like, I don't really need that much context. I just, like, I just want, like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, and then there's other stuff where you, like, want the big operatic story behind it. And I couldn't tell you the mechanics of how they are equally appealing. But they are. They yeah. just are. Uh, 
Depends on the occasion. It, yeah. Happy birthday. Is it a birthday or an anniversary? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, word choice though, going back to the original point before we got completely derailed. I have strong feelings about word choice and I'm curious to know whether or not you have strong feelings about word choice, Bina. I do have strong feelings about word choice. And actually, when I write, I find that a porn scene, I will agonize over word choices in a sentence the way I wouldn't if I'm just writing prose. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I sit there, like, each sentence, I'm di- after it's written, I go back and I'm dissecting, like, this is not the word that I want to use here. And I don't have that problem as much when I'm not writing porn. And I do have certain words, if I'm reading, that are always kind of make me go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but... It also, to me, depends on that particular scene itself. Yeah. And because, you know, I think every good porn scene has some kind of emotional thing going on, whatever that emotion may be. And that emotion, whatever that point is of that particular scene, is going to influence the word choice. So there are some times where a word that I don't have anything against doesn't feel like the right word in what I'm reading because I feel like it doesn't fit that scene. Yeah, porn is, like, so... It's, like, I, I once described it, like, um, the engineering of a roller coaster. Like, when you get on, it's going to be, like, this quick thrill. And it should feel effortless and dangerous. Um, but then the actual back-end work that goes into it is, like, insanity. Like, it's an engineered within, like, an inch of its life. And, like, I will sit there and, like, rework lines in porn for ages and I will like sit there and individually break up sentences and this is like from me who like I don't even like to spell check stuff like I don't even like spell checking fan fiction I'm like oh it's so much effort but like porn you really do have to do it I agree yeah um yeah but the other thing that um one of the things that I'm always curious about is like what words throw people out of pornography because like I have specific ones which are strange like I hate the word penis like if you actually just use the word penis in porn I will be like oh man like for some reason it's like dick and cock and all these other things like I'm okay with but like if you actually say penis I'm like no it feels medical it's not very sexy it's not a sexy word no it's not a sexy word and it's not a word that you can like it's not just like a word like dick where it's like not that sexy but you can skim over it exactly penis it feels like it just got clinical who's getting stabbed in my neighborhood every time we record you have sirens I know well it is East London (laughs) yeah yeah maybe they're rioting um probably not though uh, other words that are also, like, medical that, like, shouldn't show up in stories, like, vagina, maybe. <laughs> Although that's, like, less of an issue in Slash fandom. But I most definitely came up against that, and I was like, ooh, I need to think of some other, like, non-controversial words for the vulva that aren't gonna get me in trouble with fandom if I use them. Stephen Fry made an asshole joke on QI once where he was talking about a particular person who was like, well, I have not yet penetrated his inner circle. <laughs> And if you ever call an asshole inner circle in a story, that would probably make me fail out just from laughter. <laughs> oh man, what else would be really bad? Oh, like I There's a terrible phrase that you use all the time in casual conversation. Brown tulip. Other than that one. <laughs> clearly you have more than one. What what like what? Ass pussy? I don't use that in casual conversation. I use that mostly to horrify you. Use it in casual conversation to horrify me, so I would never ever like who would ever use that in a story? Someone out there right now is like challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, but the, you can use ass pussy in a story, but like God help you, try to make that hot. <laughs> 
Actually, it, it can probably be done. Now I want to challenge accept I hate that. you. No, I think you should go for it, Prue. You slide. How am I supposed to make that hot? The only person who could say that and get away with... You can't even get away with it. You'd be punched in the face. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine any sort of, like, what under what bizarre sexual conditions would Arthur allow Eames to refer to it as an ass pussy without causing him intense pain? Like, it doesn't exist. Oh, I don't know. I think Eames can get away with a lot. I do too, but I also think that he's going to get a concussion if he tries that. It'd probably be after the sex, though, just because Arthur's like, I just want to get off, and then I can, like, beat him into unconsciousness. Then, then Eames is, like, semi-unconscious from the orgasm. Arthur just, like, gets up and starts, like, whacking him with, like, an aluminum baseball bat. <laughs> He probably keeps one beside the bed for that very purpose. This is like the worst post-coital, like, snuggling of all time. <laughs> that was really beautiful. Ah! <laughs> Three broken ribs. going to murder you. Limps into work the next morning. Cobb is just like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> Please, don't share. Oh, like, what else could people, like, not get away with in porn? I feel like this is, like, the laundry list of words, like, not to use. Uh, don't be like me guys don't challenge accept that like do not use the words ass pussy any sort of you know what i have mixed reactions to the word spurt oh 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 i hate that (laughs) yeah like 90 percent of the time i hate it but 10 percent of the time people are like they manage to somehow work it in i'm like oh i accept oh what like what possible god like how for for this will be like the national porn spelling bee Please use spurt in a sentence that doesn't make me want to eat I can't. It's contextual. It would be like, I remember being in a Sherlock fic is all I remember. And I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Whereas normally I would be like, I have to fail out of this right now. Wow. Yeah. Spurt. Spurt. Or like spurted. Any form of spurt. Splurt is not a word, but that's another one that like, thank you for mentioning spurt because now like that's in my head. Like, yeah, a lot of comic book sound effect words in written porn. I'm like, mm, no. Oh, you know what? I actually, this is like, this is bad. I, and I know that a lot of people actually use this. But whenever anyone is like slap, like for the slap, slap Of the slap. balls, yeah. Yeah, like that's really sort of like. Anytime they mention the ball slapping, I'm like, no. It's like, no. it's like in slapping. Is it different if it's skin slapping versus. It's different. Like, I think, no. you know what? It's, like, really highly contextual, right? Like, if I'm in it, if I'm, like, if I'm totally in the zone, I'm, like, yeah, skin slapping, ball slapping, let's do this. But, like, if I'm, like, if I'm not 100% committed. You could be, like, 99.9% in and be, like, God, no. (laughs) No, I can be, like, if I'm more than 50% into that scene, like, ball slapping, A+. If I'm, like, less than 50% committed, it's, like, oh, I don't know if I like that. If I'm even, like, a fraction of a percent away from 100% and someone describes ball slapping, I'm gone. (laughs) That is the end. Okay, but I think that this kind of, like, this whole conversation brings up an interesting point where, like, you can get away with a lot if you are into the scene, right? Yeah. So you, like, as an author, you can get away with a lot if your reader is into the scene. And I guess the I guess the hard part is how to get them there. Exactly. I mean, I have a, have a very short list of things, whether it's word choice, kinks, uh, dynamics, whatever, that I will say, I will never, ever like this because I think that, you know, the right author under the right circumstances can make almost anything hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there have been a lot of things that I was like, no, never. And then, yes, always. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Though there yeah. are a few things that I would still be like, no, never. Like what? 
Water sports. Ooh. I have never read water sports that I liked. And I've tried. I've been like, well, I'll give it a shot. No, he just peed. I, I have, thanks to Inception fandom, moved from being, like, gross to, well, I guess you should just put down a tarp. Ew. <laughs> in that, I mean, like, I, uh, my slowly, like, rapidly degrading, like, line in the sand. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember reading something in, like, a fandom that I won't name, like, many years ago that was water sports, where they actually very thoughtfully went and did it in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I think I've read the same story, and that's, yeah, like, the one I that like, I was like, oh. this is okay, but I still don't like it. It was like, that was the day I discovered what water sports were in a porn context, and I was like, <laughs> Well, why did I learn this? <laughs> why didn't I learn algebra instead? <laughs> I uh, I will never know the times table, but I have memorized, like, an obscene number of weird fandom facts. <laughs> but, like, I can't learn my four times table. <laughs> oh, man, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Is like, back any- in the day, I could list, like, all of the Sailor Moon stats that you would ever need, and I could probably <laughs> still pull a bunch of them out of my head. Like a dedicated brain space to that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I remember I once upon a time, like, thought that um, double penetration was just, like, a terrible, ridiculous thing. And then I wrote <laughs> it. So, you know, what can I say? I'm so glad that you changed your mind on that one, bro. <laughs> I love some DP. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It was hard to write, though, guys. I, I really hardcore lost track of, like, the pronouns and that stuff. <laughs> it's really hard when you have more than two people going on. Just oh. keep track of all those body parts. Can I yeah. say, when you were writing that, you were like, hey, MK, I'm writing a DP scene. And I was like, what's DP? <laughs> and uh, I've never gone back. And then I just savagely took your DP genity away from you. Basically. I remember really specifically, like, sitting, oh, like, writer, like, writers listening to this podcast right now who are considering writing some, like, double penetration, two in the O. Um, Pro tip, uh, if you're going to write a DP story, please make sure that all of your characters have names that your reader will know. Because when I wrote a DP story, it was Rodney plus crazy hopped up drug people from that cave in the SGA episode. Yeah, it was. (laughs) They didn't have names. (laughs) They're all just he or that oh. guy. And I, and I didn't want to, like, go romance novel and be, like, the brunette and, like, the golden maid fellow Aww. or something like that. So it was so bad. So bad. That's another one I diagrammed. Nice. Yeah. Are you going to put that up on the... Oh, no. no. I don't have that anymore. <laughs> I burnt that like it deserved. I don't know. My favorite Slash Report extra so far was when you had to diagram out the history of nodding. Uh, that was a dark day for me. <laughs> And you're like, oh, I'm putting this on the Twitter account. I don't probably like the it. Best, probably the best behind the scenes part of me diagramming the history of nodding in fandom is that I did it at work. <laughs> that is amazing. I just like sat there in my at my desk. I don't have like an office. I don't even have a cube. Like we have like an open floor, but I just like sat there like three feet away from like eight dudes because I work in a sausage factory and like drew a diagram on nodding. <laughs> Oh, how have I not been fired yet? That's okay. Really recently, I was on Urban Dictionary a lot at work for, like, slash report stuff and Googling Silver Fox <laughs> on my work machine, not during oh. lunch. You make, you make me proud to know That I return the sentiment. <laughs> I admire both of your dedication. Yes. We it's try. Been, Thank you. It's a great work of love. <laughs> Oh, sweet mother of God. All right. I think that we should, I think we should move to the Rex. Being our guest of honor, I think we're going to let you go first, Bina. One story that I really love um, in terms of 
corn is Prodigal by I, Claudia. It's um, Merlin RPF story. So it's Bradley Collin. And it's, it's one of the stories that's, I think, I mean, it's super, super filthy, which I love, but it also has a lot of, you know, emotional stuff going on at the same time. And it's, I think, the perfect balance between that, getting the absolute filth in there, because it's, it's very, very filthy, but still keeping that emotion. And there's like, how much they care about each other. And I think that sometimes that balance can be tough, because if you're too focused on the, you know, the lovey-dovey stuff, then the filth sometimes feels forced. But to me, that one is is really perfect blend. Another one that is actually, I think, um, pretty well known in Merlin, but still one of my favorites is called, I think it's called The One Where There's Truly a Ridiculous Amount of Fucking, which is sort of the yes. perfect name for a story. And plus. Yes, and it's by If You Were Mine, whom I miss dearly. And it is another one that's like super, super, super filthy. And one of the reasons I love it is actually... Um, because I feel like it's sort of the story itself is amazing, but it also kind of turned the tide in Merlin fandom where people were like, oh, hey, we can write filth. <laughs> so it became this sort of, you know, fic that that sort of stuck out to me as this, you know, this is where people were like, it's okay to be talking about stuff dripping out of places. And <laughs> um, I feel like crossing that threshold, like all of Supernatural fandom was like, hey, guys, welcome to the party. <laughs> Ew. Like the worst party. <laughs> yes. Do not go to a supernatural party. Don't do it. Everything, like everything's spiked. <laughs> like you can't sit on any surfaces. Oh. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. That's okay. Um, in Inception fandom, one of my favorite authors is Versi, and she wrote a story called "Don't Pull Your Punches." It's Arthur Eames, and. One of the things I love about it is it is just PWP. Nothing else really happens besides the sex. But it's one, because it's, it's an AU, and she manages just with porn to sort of create this whole world that left me, in addition to thinking the porn was ridiculously hot, it left me wanting to know a lot more about that universe. Like it, Which I think can be hard to do when you're just writing porn um, to kind of create, especially if it's an AU, where you're you know really having to start from nothing. And she's she's one of my favorite authors because she manages to do that to sort of create a whole world while still focused focusing on the really hot porn. And um, one more that I love is um, "How Fucking Luya" by Weatherfront, which is also Inception. Arthur Eames, and has the best use of rosary beads I think in any porn fic ever. <laughs> You're a class act. Yes, I know. So that is definitely a plus as far as I'm concerned. So many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> uh, all I can think right now is like I got kicked out of catechism for good reason. <laughs> just, just like 20 years early. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, all right. My first story is in Dresden Files, and it's called Count to Three by Light Gets In. And it is a Marcone Dresden Kincaid threesome in which, like, Dresden, Marcone, and Kincaid decide to play poker together. And Dresden starts losing, and it's like strip poker, and then he kind of realizes partway through the game that, like, oh, they're playing to see who gets to fuck me, and, like, none of them have fucked before. They work together. And then he's like, yeah, I'm cool with that, and just, like, lays down on the bed. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> and then they have sex, and it's awesome. He doesn't even make them work for it? Well, he totally makes them work for it. Um, but it's, you know, you'll have to read it. The next one is called In Heat by Elandria Lore, and it's a Hawaii Five-O story, Steve Danny, uh, which is just like a plot what plot, but it's lots of rimming. Steve is very possessive. It was good for me. And the was, last one... Is there any werewolfery in there? 
No. <laughs> they are fully human. How much spirit wolf? Okay, was that story? It's actually like zero spirit wolf. On the London scale? Or yeah, on the, the London t- scale. London scale, zero spirit wolf. That's a that's like two thumbs up, guys. Yeah, I, I think you would really like it. Okay. And <laughs> the last one is called Talk About the Blind Leading the Visually Challenged by Pianoforte, which is uh, an amazing, amazing BBC Sherlock story where John realizes that Sherlock is never really fully engaged when they have sex, and he just like works really hard to figure out what the problem is and when he thinks he has a solution he just goes for it and it's <laughs> filthy and you should absolutely read it uh, i love how like in my head like a little light just went on like filthy yay <laughs> <laughs> and then what um, you like <laughs> all right so i have two wrecks of my own because apparently plumbing the depths of porn like i've got tons to go with the first one i have is called Discipline, um, and it's... <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's written by Bent Rumors. Um, I remember when I wrecked this, I was like, yes, A+. plus. She needs to write tons more in this universe, because you know what? Merlin is just so unruly and desperately yes. needs to be spanked constantly to be kept in line. Um, he's always so, like, willful. Um, it's basically just, like, a ludicrously, like, funny and... You know how some, like, there are different types of porn. Like, some porn is, like, really intense. Other porn is, like, really emotional. Other porn, you're just, like, overflowing with love. This feels effervescent. This feels like the sort of sex you have, like, Sunday morning, you're, like, rolling around in bed and you're laughing. Um, That's the kind of fun this is. Only, it's a little spanky, too, so that's fun as well. Merlin is, like, I can't tell if he's, like, being deliberately terrible with being a manservant just to get spanked or not. Like, because he really, like, he can't be much worse than he is. It's good times. Highly recommend it. My next recommendation is by Sarka. Um, it's called Let Your Loss Be Your Lesson. It is a Star Trek, uh, New Trek story. And it's McCoy, Girl Chekhov. Fair warning, there's like some age difference here. Um, Chekhov is like, I don't, how old is he? Like canonically? Like 17. Okay, so like Chekhov is like slightly underage. Like, use your judgment when you're reading this but um the beautiful thing in this story is that Chekhov gets turned into a girl and McCoy eats her out for like a really long time (laughs) I really can't think of much else to say about the story other than it's really hot and there's really not enough cunnilingus in the universe so frankly I'm just like gonna wreck the shit out of it whenever I find it it's really hard to make wrecks this week because it's basically like what was filthy and what did you like yeah what was filthy what did I like how do I describe it it was filthy and I liked it a lot (laughs) Yeah, he put his mouth on her vagina. I was interested in that. Like, that worked for me on some level. You guys should check that shit out. We should probably wrap this up. Dina, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. That was a blast. Um, MK, it sucks that you and I talk to each other again for another hour and a half. Uh, thanks. (laughs) I had fun. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. I was able to tolerate it well. Um, I think that wraps it up for us, guys. Uh, any last thoughts? Read some porn. It's good for you. Yes. And write some porn. Yes. Yes. Also good for you. And me. It's good for everybody when you Exactly. So that's your assignment for next week, fandom. Write us porn. (laughs) But don't challenge accept anything terrible we said. Yeah, like, like, don't, like, that middle section, just, like, pretend you didn't hear it. Yeah, please. (laughs) Just follow your heart in the porn category and, like, not any, like, perverse desire to, like, overcome a double dog dare. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
Oh, we have to end this. We do. We have to end this. All right, guys. Thank you again for being on the podcast. It's a blast as always. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Bye. Do I look like Bye. Uh-huh. Shut up. Do I look like a slut? Uh-huh. Shut up. Do I look like a slut?